You're listening to the Promise Church's message of the week. We hope you enjoy this teaching by Pastor Jonathan. For more information about who we are, please visit us at thepromisechurch.com. Why don't you stand? Those of you who are, who are able to stand or aren't standing, just want us to pray before we jump into the Word today. Lord, you are so wonderful and so amazing, Jesus. And we say we love you. And we say, Jesus, that you're all we want and all that we need. There's no one like you, Jesus. God, you are so wise. You are so powerful. Nothing is impossible for you, Lord. That you would come as a man, fully God, fully man. God is astounding for us, Lord. Out of your love, Lord Jesus, you came. And God, we love you back today. And Jesus, I ask for every person in this room to experience and encounter you in such a tangible way. God, that we would know that we've, when we leave this place, we would know that we've been with you. God, we long for more of you. God, set people free today that they would experience who you are in a greater way. We give you all glory and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 In just seeking the Lord and asking God, or you can be seated, uh, what he would have me share with you today, I always want to first start with saying, God, how do you want to reveal yourself to your people? Because it's all about Jesus. How do you want to reveal yourself to your people? Because if you experience Jesus, you encounter him, your life will be transformed by him, and you'll want nothing but him. And so, Jesus, how do you want to reveal yourself to your people? Yes, it's, it's Christmas time, and there's all these themes and all these uh, aspects of Christmas that point to you, but wh- who do you want to reveal yourself as to your people today? And so when I was in that place of prayer, I felt like he said, I want to reveal myself to them as the Prince of Peace, as the Prince of Peace. I want to, I want to start in Genesis chapter 3. Uh, with you today, Genesis chapter 3 and verse 14. In this passage of scripture is the what we would call the first mention or the first uh, moment that the gospel is in a sense portrayed in the word of God. This is the first moment where the, in a sense, what is happening is pointing to the coming of Jesus. And we see this right when the original sin took place with Adam and Eve, right when mankind fell. And as I mentioned even earlier during worship time, that they lost the simplicity found in God where they felt like they needed something more than all that God already had for them. They thought that God was holding out from them and that he was withholding something from them that they could not have. And that was why he put this tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the garden. And they were completely deceived by the devil in that moment to think that. And what they really lost was that simplicity of just wanting the Lord. They had lost that awe and wonder of walking with him in the cool of the garden. And they then they partook of the fruit. And we see this Dialogue, this conversation taking place with the Lord, with, with, dev, with the devil, Lucifer, the serpent there, and with Adam and Eve here. It says, so the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, 
Cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. Verse 15, and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He, meaning the offspring of the woman, he, meaning Jesus, will crush your head, devil, and you will strike his heel. Here again is the first mentioned in scripture, the first pointing to the coming of the Messiah, of the Christ, of Jesus coming to this earth. Isaiah 9 verse 6 is a prophecy that maybe if you've been in church a long time or you uh, are familiar with the Christmas story pointing to Jesus, you've heard this passage of scripture many times, but I don't want it to be familiar. I want it to be fresh and real and personal for us today. Isaiah chapter, chapter 9 verse 6 as again, a prophecy of the coming of Jesus says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on. And forever, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. And we know of the Christmas moment and story where the Virgin Mary is with Joseph and they're in the manger because there was no room for them in any inns in Bethlehem. And she gives birth to Jesus in that moment. And the angels of heaven appeared to, to some lowly, humble shepherds in the fields watching over their sheep. And they, they say, do not be afraid. We bring you good tidings of good, and good news of great joy. That this gospel is Jesus coming, God coming as man for man, and that he is here. And we, we see that just this wonderful moment of worship and, and exaltation to the Lord. And these, these shepherds are filled with awe and wonder, and they're full of just a, a hunger and eagerness. And they run to find this child, and they're there, and they, they fall and worship before the Lord there in that moment. And as Jesus grows up and he, he lives and he's anointed by the Holy Spirit and, and as that moment in, that he was baptized by John the Baptist in the River Jordan, and then he goes into ministry for three and a half years. Towards the end of his time here on earth, right before he goes to the cross, he says this to his disciples. And this is still ringing true for us today and for everyone this is available to them in John 14 uh, chapter 14 verse 27 Jesus says peace i leave with you my peace i give you i do not give to you as the world gives do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid this is such a powerful passage and powerful statement here by Jesus i want to just kind of break a little bit down for you, that we, in receiving Jesus as Lord and Savior, we are receiving the person who is peace. We are receiving the Prince of Peace to come and sit and rule and reign on the throne of our heart, of our lives. And when we receive him, we do not receive a peace as though the world would try to offer us. You see, our, our world that we live in tries to offer us a road that would try to lead to happiness and peace and all these different things that every human being longs for and wants in life. But it is counterfeit, 
It is empty. It pales in comparison. It falls short of the true peace that is only found in Jesus. And Jesus wants his people to live in peace. He tells them, I leave my peace with you. Jesus offers us his peace. He offers us the peace that he carried, that he walked in while he walked on this earth. He offers the atmosphere of heaven, true peace to us to live in and walk in. One of the, the biggest statements that's repeated over and over again in the Christmas story that we see in scripture is the, this, these words, do not be afraid or fear not or do not fear. Yeah, right? The angels appear to Zechariah in the temple, and he's freaked out. Do not be afraid. He appears, the angel appears to Mary. Do not be afraid. Appears to Joseph. Do not be afraid. Appears to the shepherds. Do not be afraid. Why? Because when you really have a, a radical, crazy encounter with God, there's going to be an element of fear. You are going to be freaked out. I am a little leery of people who talk about their flippant experiences of going back and forth from earth to heaven, and they're very casual about it, or their, their sightings of angels, or their, their saying of seeing God, because when you really encounter God, you are going to be freaked out, and you probably aren't going to want to talk about it. <laughs> You're going to have a natural reaction of wanting to fall on your face. I have only had three crazy, powerful, radical encounters with God in my entire life where I was completely out of control of my own body. Only three in my whole life, and I've been following Jesus almost my entire life. That doesn't mean that, that, that limits you and your experience with God. Maybe you can have a crazy, radical encounter with God every day. And that's great. We want you to experience God's presence and be with him and ex encounter him daily. But there are going to be those maybe special moments that you have with the Lord that are unlike any other time that you have in the rest of your life. I want more of them. I'm not going to say, okay, I've had three. That's good enough. That's maybe more than most. I don't want any more. I'm good. No, I want the next one, Lord. I want more. But I know when you encounter the power of God, it isn't something that you just go, yeah, that was nice. You're freaked out. And so God offers us peace because he actually invites us into a life when we actually are living all in for him and giving him everything that is going to be a little scary. It's going to be a little intimidating. And he doesn't want us to be afraid. He doesn't want us to live in fear. He wants us to be in awe and wonder and this place of reverence of him, what we would say in church, the fear of the Lord. He wants us to live in that, but that isn't being afraid of him. That is being in awe and wonder at his, his vastness, his bigness, his power, his majesty, his wonder and beauty, and, and being aware of his presence all the time. And he offers us peace in that. A peace that goes beyond our understanding, that goes beyond our knowledge and intellect, that goes beyond our experience, where we are in a place of, of rest in our soul and a place of fulfillment in him and a place of knowing that as he invites us into this life of the impossible, we don't have to be afraid. As we live in this world where things are going on all over around us that are weird and crazy, uh, and, and tumultuous and storms in our society, we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to live in fear. 
One of the things that's supposed to mark those that follow Jesus, it says in, in Revelation, uh, in, the, in chapter 12 in the book of Revelation, it says, those who have overcome have overcome by the, the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, and by not loving their lives even unto death. That means that you and I, as followers of Jesus Christ, are to have an understanding and revelation of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the resurrection of the dead, that there should not be even the fear of death in our lives. That because we know him and because we've experienced his love and forgiveness and he, he lives inside of us and we, we experience walking with him daily, that we know that our soul is secured in heaven with him and that we're seated with him already, even though while we live in this temporal world. And so if all of a sudden our life was to end, we know that we would immediately be with him in eternity. And there should be such hope and peace and joy that we're not even afraid of that moment. But often, as believers, we, are, we, we, come, we succumb to the, the pressures and the voices of our society. Our, our culture of the world, in, the, in the America especially, thrives off of fear. If you didn't know, the, the media thrives off of fear. They make their living on fear. They promote and sell fear constantly. The government operates out of fear, if you didn't know. That everything pushing towards you is coming from a voice and principality of fear. Wants you to live in fear. Wants you to succumb to fear. Wants you to be full of worry and anxiety. And wants you to be bound up afraid in life. Because when you're afraid, then all of a sudden you will, you will willingly give of freedoms that you are meant to live in and enjoy simply for comfort. And that isn't what God wants us to live in. He offers us true comfort and peace, no matter what is going on around us. In fact, in my mind, in my heart, one of the biggest signs, one of the biggest testimonies that we can live in as followers of Jesus is to be ones that operate in a place of peace in the midst of craziness in our world. That the world would look at you and I and go, What's wrong with you? How are you calm right now? How are you okay right now? How are you not freaking out right now? How are you not losing your mind right now and living in fear like me because of what's going on around us? Because I know Jesus. I have the prince of peace. I have the person of peace in me and with me everywhere I am and everywhere I go. This is what God wants us to live in. One, uh, this is a, this is a, a fact, uh, a, in a sense, a, a statement that I got from an article three years ago, okay, before COVID, okay? So think about maybe even more so how it is now. And it says this, anxiety has become the number one mental health issue in North America. It's estimated that one third of the North American adult population experiences anxiety on wellness issues. One third, that was three years ago. I think it's probably gone up a little bit more. We live in a country and a world dominated by fear. They profit off of fear. We have multi-million and billion dollar industries that thrive off of fear and worry and anxiety. We have pharmaceutical companies that make millions of dollars off of people struggling with fear and anxiety. Yet God doesn't want us to live in fear. In fact, he doesn't just want us not to live in fear. He gives us the opposite of it. He gives us his love that drives out fear. 
And it, the Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 1 that the, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. So anything that we are experiencing in a realm of unhealthy fear is not from the Lord. It's not from God because he didn't give it to us. He doesn't give us that fear. He gives us all that we need for freedom and for peace. See, the peace that God offers isn't like anything the world tries to offer. The world tries to offer us, offers us roads to find peace through accomplishment, through career, through finances, through possessions, through, you know, different means, you know, through meeting with psychologists and, and, and counselors and therapists. You know, you do these things and you will, you will find peace. And I'm not saying that all those things are bad or none of those things could be helpful for a person. But the peace that God gives us isn't just to mask something, isn't just to cover something. It isn't a psychological state of mind. It is actually a state of inner rest of your soul that is free from worry and fear. Totally free from it. Dude, not that long ago, I was uh, on a plane. And we were flying home from in, into Portland from where we were at. And, you know, our favorite thing took place, turbulence. And it wasn't just the average turbulence where you just kind of, you know, have a little bumpy ride. It was the one that where you're in the plane and you drop and you feel your stomach come into your throat. And, you know, that happened about three times that you could not predict when it was going to happen. And about the se- after the second time, I began to pray. <laughs> I'm like, oh God, please protect us. I want to go home. I want just to land. You know, like I'm going to kiss the ground when we get off the plane. Like it was one of those, those moments. And all of a sudden the thought came to me like, why are you freaking out? Why are you afraid? If, if you died right now, you should be fine, right? You're going to heaven if you die right now. It's true. Why am I afraid right now? A couple days or a few days ago, I, I thought I misplaced my phone. Maybe this has happened to you. Thought I misplaced my phone, couldn't find my phone. And I had a rush of anxiety into my heart. I got to find my phone. My whole life is on that phone. What am I going to do if I don't have that phone? And it was like, what is wrong with you? Maybe you have never experienced that before, if you lost or damaged your phone. Now, I'm sure all of you are wonderful, uh, wholeheartedly devoted Christians that have no attachments to their phones. Uh, but I had a moment where I was like, why am I freaking out over my phone right now? And I realized, okay, God, I, I need to live in such a place of peace that no possession and no even place of, of even life or death in my life has a hold on me. If I'm surrendered to the Lord and he, he has all of me and I, I'm his, then I, I should operate and live in a place of total peace. This is what he has for us. This is what he offers us. The true Christmas story is the gospel, that Jesus came to provide a way for us to be at peace with God, to receive forgiveness, to receive his nature and his righteousness, and to receive the person who is peace, Jesus Christ. The, the words prince of peace have this meaning behind it in the original language. Prince means leader or captain, obviously in a sense ruler. P 
Peace, shalom, has the idea of completeness, wholeness. So when you actually submit your life to the lordship of Jesus and say, I want to follow you and I give you my whole life. You are Lord. You are king of my life. You lead me. You are simply saying that I want your leading and your ruling to bring completeness and wholeness to my life. That when you allow his leading to be the leading of your life, he will lead you into total completeness and wholeness. That place of peace in him. I want to just give you a few points uh, with this idea of the Prince of Peace. That peace is found through Christ. Number one, peace is found through Christ. If peace is not found in a substance, peace is not found in a, in a thing or another person outside of Jesus. There is no one and nothing that will take that place and be able to provide you that fulfillment in your life other than Jesus. Only Jesus. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13, it says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace. He himself. He himself. Not what he has, not what he offers, not some other thing found apart from him. He himself is our peace. Verse 17 says, he came and preached peace to you who are far away and peace to those who are who were near. Jesus has come to bring us peace, found only in him. And I would say that if we don't spend daily time alone with the person of peace, it will become even easier for our, our hearts to drift into a place of being uh, 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 unattached to him to allow worry and fear and anxiety to be able to come into our lives. Uh, if we don't spend daily time with the person of peace, it will allow our hearts to look for other things to, to, to find that fulfillment and satisfaction in our lives. You and I must spend daily time encountering the person of peace, Jesus. And when we do, when we spend that daily time alone with him, encountering him, all of a sudden, his presence, his person, rush into our being, into our soul, and it just infuses us with that place of rest again. Jesus said, come to me, those who are weary and heavy laden, those of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. It's found only in Jesus. Only in Jesus. He is to be our refuge. He is to be our shelter, our shield, our fortress. He is to be our hiding place. So when we run to him and, and want to be with him and f- put ourselves with him, all of a sudden that peace rushes in because we're with him. See, the, 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 the gospel, the Christmas story is God coming to man. You see, Jesus, the incarnation of Jesus, Jesus coming to earth and being born as a baby and being born as a human, so huge and so vital to our faith. Because if Jesus wasn't our, wasn't fully man, wasn't fully human, then he could not actually take our place on the cross and die as us and die for us and be in that place of intercession as the great high priest before us to take our sin. He couldn't do it if he wasn't fully man. And if he wasn't fully God, then he couldn't actually live this life blameless, perfect, and without sin to be able to be the one 
one that would be able to pay the price necessary and needed to redeem us and to take us out of sin and give us his righteousness. This is, this is so huge. And again, we can become so familiar and, and casual with the Christmas season or story, but we can never lose sight of what it's really all about. And it, because we should celebrate and live in it and from it all year long. Number two, so in that place of receiving the person of peace and receiving what he has done for us in coming as a man and being fully God and man and dying in our place on the cross, we receive righteousness. We receive right standing with God. And when we receive the gift of righteousness, we live in peace. Outside of righteousness, there is no peace. Because we, all are, we are trying to earn something ourselves and perform and, and trying to fulfill an obligation to do enough good things, hoping that we'll be good enough to get to heaven one day or something. Or we are living in a place of sin and addiction and bondage outside of the, the, the nature of righteousness that God has for us. And that sin just torments us. It oppresses us. It, it burdens us. It causes all kinds of anxieties in us. But when we live in righteousness, when we receive the gift of righteousness that Jesus provides us, and we, we walk in it, and we live in that new nature, free from sin, there's such peace that comes in our lives. Romans chapter 4, verse 25, going into chapter 5, says this, He was delivered over to death, he meaning Jesus, for our sins, and was raised to life, for our justification. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Jesus became sin to make us righteous. He was forsaken so that we would be accepted so that we would receive the righteousness of God. And as we receive that free gift and surrender our lives unto him, we can walk out a place free from sin where that sin has no hold in our lives and we're not worried and troubled by our, 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 our mistakes and our weaknesses. We're not bound in addictions and things that would try to torment us from the enemy. The enemy has no foothold, no place in our lives because we're walking in his righteousness. There's great peace and that freedom that Jesus offers us. It's available for you and for me. So now because of who he is, because of what he's done and what he gives us in his righteousness, there should be a place of wonderful trust in the Lord. And when we trust him, there is great peace in him. There's this great scripture in Isaiah 26. So how do we have peace? Number three, peace is found through trust. Isaiah 26, verse 3 says, You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Trust in the Lord forever. For the Lord, the Lord himself, is the rock eternal. That, those words, perfect peace, actually in the original language is peace, peace. There is a, there is a double portion uh, a multiplying aspect of peace that we have when we trust in the Lord. There's so much anxiety and fear that is rooted in a lack of trust. When we have to have control, when we have to know everything and know what's next, and we have to have this place of, uh, of 
just really control is the best way I could, I guess, describe it. When we have to live in that place, it's because we have a hard time trusting. And when we have a hard time trusting, then there's all kinds of access that God has into our lives. A fear of worry, anxiety, because now it's up to us to make sure everything goes good. We carry that weight. We carry that burden instead of Jesus. He's meant to. We're meant to live our life fully in trust that he has us, that he holds us, that he will protect us, that he'll provide for us, that he will heal us, and he will, he will give us wisdom. And he will, if, if God is so wise to provide the, the redemptive solution for mankind through the humble coming of God as a baby, which is a divine wisdom, not anything natural wisdom that could come up with, then I think he's wise enough to be able to hold your life and help you, and to guide you, and to lead you. But so often we have just this thing where we don't see Jesus for who he really is. When we see him for who he is as that Prince of Peace, we will want to trust him. And it says that there's this double portion of peace for those whose minds are steadfast. How do we remain steadfast in our attention, and steadfast in our devotion, and steadfast in our seeking of the Lord and going after him? It's because we trust. We trust. And we can know that he is trustworthy because of who he is and what he has done for us. Number four, peace is found in thankfulness. Peace is found in thankfulness. Colossians chapter 3, verse 15 says this, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Notice again that idea of prince of peace. There's this rulership, him sitting on the throne of your heart, him ruling and reigning in your life. That when he does that, when he has that place, there should be a natural byproduct of peace in your life. So the question would be then, is if I'm not living in peace, what am I not surrendered in? If I'm not living in peace, what am I not trusting in? If I'm not living in peace, what have I not allowed him to rule and reign in my life over. Okay, so I'm going to start over. Let, Pete, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. This is your calling. You're, you and I, as members of the body of Christ, as followers of Jesus, we are called to live in peace. If you're wondering what your calling and your destiny and your purposes, part of it is revealed to you right here. You're called to peace. And then it says, I love how it just says this, and be thankful. I don't feel like those are meant to be two separate thoughts that are shared in one verse. I believe that there's a, a divine connection between gratitude and thankfulness and having peace. You see, when you live in gratitude and thankfulness unto the Lord, then you allow the Lord to rule and reign in your life no matter the circumstance. You're, you recognize the source of all things in your life that it's found in Jesus. And so then all of a sudden this praise and this thanksgiving and gratitude stirs up in your heart unto the Lord. And so no matter even in the difficult things, you're giving thanks and giving praise to God. And that all of a sudden postures yourself for a divine exchange where you're giving God these things and you're receiving peace from him. And we'll see this here in this passage. This is a little bit lengthier passage. It's a well-known one, but I really want to kind of hit home uh, this passage in Philippians chapter 4. Philippians 4. Verse four, to me, 
Anytime I've ever met with someone pastorally who's struggling with anxiety, worry, fear, and struggling with a lack of peace, I go right here to this passage almost immediately because in it is every practical solution to a life of walking in peace. Okay, so this is really important. Philippians 4, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. I love that it doesn't give us an out. Always. <laughs> always. It does mean always, if you were wondering. Always means always. It doesn't mean when you feel like it or when things are good or when you have a, you know, you got a raise, you got a promotion. Uh, it doesn't mean when things are good in your, in your home. It doesn't, it, it doesn't mean when you're a president that you voted for is in office. It means always. Always rejoice. Always worship. Always give glory and praise and thanks to God. No matter what. Verse five, let your gentleness be evident to all the Lord is near. That awareness of the nearness of God, that awareness that he is Emmanuel, God with us. So another one of those, in a sense, names of who God is, it's often talked about at Christmas time. When we see that he is near and are aware of his nearness with us, it should provide peace because you're not alone. One of the biggest roots of fear is feeling lonely and alone. When you recognize that you are not alone, that you are not your own, but you have been bought with a price, that you are a temple of the Holy Spirit, that you've been purchased by the blood of Jesus, then all of a sudden there should be a peace that you feel in your life from that. Okay? Here we keep, we're going to keep going. Verse 6, do not be anxious about anything. Again, great all-inclusive language here. Don't, you can be anxious for these things. You can be anxious when this person's president. You can be anxious when you lose your job. You can be anxious when you lose your phone. You can be anxious when, uh, you know, this crisis happens in your life. You can be anxious when this person is sick. No, don't be anxious about anything. There's no out. There's no option. There's no excuse. God actually calls us into a realm that you might think is impossible. But to me, I go, God, you wouldn't tell us to be this way if it wasn't possible. So in you, I know it's possible to live in such a realm of peace where you, the Prince of Peace, rule in my heart and in my mind in such a way that anxiety, worry, and fear has no place. There, I am fully free from all of those things. When, when, when we live in this way, it says, do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, again, this wonderful, all-inclusive language, but in every situation, so in a sense, any situation that you do begin to feel anxiety, any situation where you do begin to feel fear or the lack of peace, this is here what you're supposed to do. By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving. So what is it saying? That I begin to feel anxious about something, from a heart of gratitude and thanksgiving, I come to the Lord in prayer. Not coming to the Lord and complaining, not coming out of fear and doubt and unbelief and worry, but in thanksgiving, with thanksgiving, I come to the Lord in prayer. And there's not to be any condemnation if all of a sudden you do have worry or anxiety about something that you, you can't come to the Lord because you have it. No, you come to the Lord because you recognize you have it and you're not supposed to have it. And so, okay, God, I'm coming to you. This is troubling me. 
and I know it's not supposed to. I'm supposed to live free of fear and live in, in peace. So God, I thank you for who you are and what you have done for me on the cross, that you have full victory through your shed blood and through your resurrection. So Jesus, I come to you in worship and, and gratitude, God, that you have my life in the palm of your hand, and no matter what I'm facing right now, I know you're with me, and I give you thanks for that. Lord, I give you in, in request, I, I need your help with these things. I give you out of trust this area of my life and I surrender it to you and I trust you in it. All of a sudden you're doing, uh, there's a divine exchange that takes place where you're giving the Lord whatever it is that's burdening you and troubling you and giving you anxiety. You're, you're giving the Lord that anxiety and that fear in thanksgiving and you're receiving, as it says here, present your requests uh, to, to the Lord and the peace of God which transcends all understanding or a peace that passes understanding will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. So I give the Lord these things and I receive a peace that passes all understanding. I receive a peace that's beyond my own comprehension. I receive a peace that I will not be able to fully articulate or even be able to understand with my mind, but I know it is so real. And no one can take it from me. And then it goes on to say, I really believe a way to continue on in that peace is where we have our minds focused on. So finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, right, pure, lovely, and admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Dwell your mind upon these things and you will be able to continue on in this place that, of peace that passes understanding. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, this is the Apostle Paul's talking, put it into practice and what does it say? The God of peace. Here God is revealing himself again as the God of peace. He will be with you. This is what God offers us. This is what he promises us. This is what he wants us to live in every single day. Free from worry. Be anxious for nothing. <laughs> Free from anxiety, fear. Walking in the fear of the Lord, awareness of his presence that he is with us, that he is Emmanuel, that he did everything needed and necessary so that his presence could be in us and with us and on us at all times. And so therefore, no matter what I face, no matter what I go through, I know I can live in peace. And again, don't, I don't want anyone here to feel any sense of shame or condemnation if you are struggling with fear and anxiety. I'm wanting to offer you an invitation of hope I'm wanting to offer you an invitation of freedom where you experience Jesus in such a real and tangible way where you walk in that peace all the time. Now, there may be moments, as, as I described of myself and was vulnerable with you, where I was afraid in different moments. But the key is to recognize it, to not allow a lie of fear, to not allow a seed from the demonic realm of fear to have a hold in your life where you stay there. I didn't stay there. And my prayer in that plane changed from God, keep me alive, to Lord, I repent for having fear. Thank you that I have all hope and peace in you. And that even if this is my last moment on earth, I'm gonna be with you in the next. That's how he wants us to live, is in this place. And it comes to receiving the person who is the Prince of Peace, Jesus.
Would you stand with me? I want to just first start with this simple invitation. If you're, if you're here in this, in this place and you, you don't have a relationship with Jesus, everything that we are looking for in this life as human beings, we're looking for is found only in Jesus. Peace is only found in Jesus, and it comes through a relationship of knowing him deeply and personally. So if you're here today and you don't know him personally and are walking in a relationship with him and you want to begin that journey of receiving him into your life so you receive the peace that he paid for through his death on the cross, I want to give you that opportunity to say yes to him today. So if you're here today and you don't know Jesus and you want to give him your life, I just ask that you raise your hand. Raise it high enough that I can see we just want to pray with you. Is there anyone here? want to do this. Before we go into communion, I I believe it's important to, when we come to the table of the Lord in communion, to come before him in a place of humility and in a place of repentance and in a place of surrender. And so if you're here today, and as I'm talking about peace and talking about freedom from fear and anxiety, if you know that you are in a constant battle and you are even, in a sense, bound under anxiety and worry and fear, and you want Jesus to free you from that and bring peace into your heart and to your mind, a peace that passes your understanding. If that is what you're after and what you know you need, I would I want to just invite you to, to come to the front. There's no fear, there's no embarrassment, there's no shame, but there's freedom and taking a step out and saying, I want that. So if, you, if that's you, just raise your hand. Thank you, Jesus. Anybody else? Anybody else? God doesn't have fear for you. He has peace for you. God doesn't have fear for you. He has love for you and joy for you. Is there anyone else? Freedom from fear and anxiety, living in a place of freedom and living in a place of peace. Anyone else? Rachel, would you just come right up here? Go ahead, Asha. Amanda, would you mind just coming and praying with her? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Why don't we just all do this real quick, just in that place of surrender before we go before the Lord's table. Why don't we just do this? Just close our eyes and posture our hearts before the Lord and say, Jesus... I repent. I repent of all fear and anxiety in my life. Jesus, I surrender everything to you. And I receive your peace. I thank you for what you've done in my life. And I receive your peace. I choose to trust you, Jesus. Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. I thank you for those that came forward, Lord. I just ask, God, that you would bring total freedom in Jesus' name. 
All fear and anxiety, you have to go right now in Jesus' name. Total freedom in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name, every spirit of fear, you have to go. Only the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Every weight, every burden, everything that she isn't meant to carry, lift off right now in Jesus' name. Let a trust come in her life, Lord, that she knows that you got her. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If you have your communion elements, why don't you grab that? Take a moment right now to remember what Jesus has done for you. Jesus said, whenever you do this, to do this in remembrance of him, to do this in remembrance of what he has done, remembrance of what he went through in his body, that his body was beaten, it was whipped and nailed to a cross, beaten unrecognizable, that every stripe he bore in his body was for you and for me to make us whole. Not just make us whole in our soul in salvation, but to heal our bodies. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to live off of yesterday's bread or last month's bread or last year's bread. Jesus is our daily bread and he is the bread of life and he offers himself to us to receive from him daily. So Jesus, we come to you, Lord, and we thank you, Lord, that you are our daily bread. You are the bread of life. Only you satisfy, Jesus. Only you sustain us. Only you strengthen us. Only you fulfill us, Lord. God, we remember the cross and we remember your coming as a child, Lord. You left heaven and in your amazing humility and an amazing wisdom, you came born of a virgin, born fully God, fully man to take our place on the cross that you took what we deserved so that we could have what you deserved. God, you came, Lord Jesus, and you became sin that we might become righteous. We receive, Lord, what you paid for. God, we receive what you did. God, we say thank you. Just begin to thank him right now. In your own words, from your own heart, thanking him for what he's done for you. Make it personal. He did it for you. He did it for you. He came for you. He died for you. He raised for you. He's making intercession even right now for you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. God, we celebrate who you are and what you've done. God, we take this bread in remembrance of you. We give you thanks and praise. In Jesus' name, you may partake of the bread.
take your cup and if you can lift it as high as, as you can be careful but in a sense to posture and to stand in a place that says there's nothing higher than the blood of Jesus there's nothing greater than what the blood speaks of his blood is our covering his blood is what provides us an access to come into the presence of the Lord as I read earlier out of Ephesians chapter 2, it says we were brought near by the blood of Christ. We received Jesus as peace because of the blood of Jesus. We receive peace and right standing before God because of the blood of Jesus. So just right now, just say, I plead the blood of Jesus. I plead the blood of Jesus over myself, over my family. Just right now, while most of you are in here, our moms and dads, just pray over your households. Pray for your children. I plead the blood of Jesus over my home. I plead the blood of Jesus. Again, the blood is our covering. It is, it is to be something that the enemy cannot penetrate through. It cannot break in through. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I plead your blood over every family represented here, over every person here, over every husband and wife, over every child. Lord God, we plead the blood of Jesus for health, for wholeness, for satisfaction in you, Jesus, for joy, for peace, for your love, Lord. And Jesus, I ask, oh God, for the reality of what you paid for. By your stripes, we are made whole. And Lord, I ask for wholeness into every body here. And every person, Lord, that's a part of the Promise Church that's not even able to be here today because they're battling sickness. We break that power of sickness in Jesus' name. We take authority over all sickness, all disease, all pain. And we take authority over it and bind it in Jesus' name. And we say, be gone in the name of Jesus. We plead the blood of Jesus over every member and every person a part of the Promise Church. We speak healing and health and wholeness. Every family member, Lord, of every person here that is battling sickness, we speak healing and wholeness, total health and recovery in Jesus' name. Lord God, we know that your name and the power of your name is greater than any name, any name of COVID, any name of any sickness, any name of any disease. Lord, your name is greater. So I ask God for the power of your name to be demonstrated in this city, in this region, in this church, that no one would be sick anymore, Lord, that the spread of viruses would stop around us, Lord, in our homes and our families. God, for health and wholeness, you paid for it, Jesus, and we won't settle for anything less than what your blood paid for. We thank you, Jesus. We take this cup now in remembrance of you. We thank you, Lord, for your covering. We thank you for your healing. We thank you for your grace and access to be in your presence, Lord. We give you glory and praise. You may partake of the cup. Our worship team is going to lead us in a moment of, for worship, and I just ask you, church, to not check out, to not disengage, to not think about what's next or what you're doing later today. And in that place of remembrance, in that place of thankfulness, in that place of gratitude, to 
give the Lord the worship that he is worthy of. To honor him and thank him for what he's done. To give him glory for who he is as the Prince of Peace. That he offers us a peace that we can live in in this life that is not of this world, is not from this world, and that it is a peace that satisfies us with himself. So Jesus, we worship you in this time. We say, worthy are you, Lord, for you're the only one worthy to come and to die in our place and to pay for what was needed to be paid for for us, God, to fulfill all that was needed to be fulfilled. Only you, Jesus. And so, God, we give you glory and worship and praise in this place. God, we thank you, Lord. We give you all praise, Jesus. Come on, church, just begin to lift up your own voice. Begin to lift up your own song and worship the Lord right now. Just begin to thank him for what he's done through the cross and his death and resurrection. Jesus, we honor you in this place, Lord. Come on, let your hunger and your passion arise, church, to worship him as the worship team leads us right now.
the door.